When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Titans with the SIP Podcast. I'm Rose Sal Manfrey, joined by my two co-hosts. we got a lot to get into today. Uh, last week in the NFL, got a special guest on we can't wait to bring in as well. Let's hit it. Sammy, start me off. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, 94 yards, touchdown Titans! He is the baddest man in the NFL, and he just took her to the house. The Sickest Tennessee Titans Podcast. It's going to be sick. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the last week of the NFL season. We got a ton to get into. Uh, as far as being a Titans fan, this is uh, what you dream about as a kid. Actually, no, we don't dream about this. We'd like to have a five-game lead going into the uh, last week. But, um, we <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. Uh, and nevertheless, it's a winning in game. You control your own destiny. Um, that's the bottom line. And, and we're going to go into it with uh, our, our best hopes. And uh, right now, I mean, we got a backup quarterback in uh, and, and we just got to make the best of it and, and see where this wave takes us. Um, but today we have a special guest that's going to be on the show with us. Um, he spent some time in the NFL, was drafted by the Eagles. Uh, played some seasons with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars as well, so we have some ties to the organization, of course. Uh, Mr. Clay Harbor, Clay, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Just getting ready for this game. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's time the Jacksonville just takes over this division and runs with it. Doesn't look back. We got the coach. We got the quarterback. Now all we got to do is get the win. Absolutely. I mean, listen. Uh, where this organization was a couple years ago, a couple years ago, compared to where they are now and where it looks like their trajectory is going to put them, uh, it's got to be really uh, a, a long time coming type feeling for Jacksonville and that fan base since they've been waiting to be relevant for so long. And Clyde, I think they're finally have arrived. I think you would agree, correct? Yeah, man, I, I think so. I wouldn't say they've arrived, but I mean, they've won their last four games. They've won five of their last six. Trevor Lawrence is playing at a high level, like one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league. I mean, top five numbers in, in every statistical category. Doug Peterson's doing a great job of not only being the head coach, but also calling the plays. Him and Trevor have a great connection there. He knows what Trevor likes as far as the play calls, what he's good at. 
has a good uh, sense of when to get his weapons involved, who's the mismatches, when to get Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones the ball, Marvin Jones, Travis Etienne. So uh, Doug is, is really the man for the job, and so is Trevor. But, uh, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I know there's, there's a, big, a big obstacle in the way, and his name is Derrick Henry. So Absolutely. Uh, we're hoping that the uh, Derrick Henry of old shows up to this game. Of course, uh, nothing to really write home about the first meeting with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I think he had a fair game. Jared, what, he still had over 100 that game. Didn't he? He, had, he had 96 yards and a touchdown yeah. in the first quarter, but ended up, uh, I think, with 126 yards uh, yeah. after that. So the, the defense, you know, stopped him for the most part, especially in the second half. But that was my question to you, Clay. Um, the last two games, the Jaguars scored were outscoring, I mean, outscoring opponents 50 to 6. Their defense has stepped up and caused a lot of turnovers the last couple of weeks. You know, do you think that continues this week with Tennessee? And do you think they actually stop the freight train to Derrick Henry, who has been owning them for the past couple of years? Yeah, Mike Caldwell has been doing a great job calling the plays, and he seems to be, you know, picking it up because the Jaguars' defense early in the season wasn't doing well at all. They were a real weak point, and the offense was kind of carrying them. But Foye Luakun, the linebacker they brought in, leading the league in tackles, has really come into his own. He's doing a great job of calling the calling the defense, doing a great job of just making plays. And he's not the biggest guy, but he's smart. He's an Ivy leaguer, and he, he's always got them in the right spots, the right position. The young guys are, are coming up big. Chad, Chad Muma is doing a great job. Devin Lloyd stepping up. Darius Williams on the outside. Tyson Campbell on the other side. I mean, they got some solid defensive backs as well. Andre Sisco has been playing well at the safety position. D-line's even been Josh Allen's coming to his own. Trayvon Walker should be back for this game. So they got some players, and they've been they've been doing better. Obviously, early in the season, they were struggling. But as of late, Josh Allen's been – he had nine pressures against the Texans. He only played like three quarters, not even. They didn't even pass the ball that much. He's he's really coming on strong. Uh, Foye Luikin doing a great job. I think he had double-digit tackles, didn't even play the whole game. So – the defense is doing better, but I mean, Devin, you know, Devin Lloyd is up and down. And obviously, you know, when you're trying to tackle Derrick Henry, it's a different story. I mean, this guy is still a leading rusher in the NFL, one of the baddest men on the planet, guy's still averaging 4.5 a pop and still getting it done. And he's coming off of, you know, an extra week of rest. This guy's rested. He is ready to go, wound up, knows what this is. So, I mean, anything can happen when you have Derrick Henry as your running back. I don't care if I'm the quarterback. I, you know, you, you can as long as you can hand the ball to him, you got a chance. Yeah. So my question I have for you, Clay, is well, obviously, thanks for coming on. Um, the Jaguars uh, started the season off pretty bad. Um, so what do you think the difference was between the first half of the season and the second half of the season for them? And since you are a former NFL player, I just wanted to know. What it's what a coach has to do or an organization has to do when you get off that rough start and keeping a team focused and not letting them, um, you know, fall apart and become a joke. Um, no disrespect, what the Jaguars have been for quite some time. Um, so how to how to get my jab in there a little bit? Um, but how does it? How does a coach or a GM or a front office keep a team focused and motivated after starting? you know, one and five, one and six, and trying to convince them that they still have a chance going forward. I mean, I don't appreciate those jabs you're throwing right there. Don't think those well, – If you're a big guy, I can only throw a jab behind a screen. I wouldn't do it in person. So. <laughs> I see what you're doing over there. So, 
it's an interesting season. They started off two and three, and everything's going going good. And then next thing you know, they lose five straight games. And I mean, I, I wrote them off after that fifth game. I said, okay, we're, we're playing for draft picks now. I hope they lose out. There's no way they're going to be in this conversation. People kept losing. Jaguars win a game, they lose again. The Chiefs, they go, okay, they're done. They're done again. They gave me hope for a second. Now they're done again. Then they roll off, you know, five out of six, and they're in this thing. And nobody wanted to slam the door on them. Obviously, there's injuries uh, with with Titans, with with Colts, you know, things going on there where they really couldn't accelerate and, and put this division away. But it's been a weird season. I mean, these games have been close. You look all the way back to the Philly loss. Five fumbles. They were in that game, one of the best games, one of the best teams in the NFL. You go forward to the Houston Texans game. Interception in the end zone, fumble in the end zone. Texans never should have beat them. You guys forget the Texans beat the Jaguars early in the season. Never should have won. I was at that game. Colts beat them on, on a game they had. I mean, this was, I mean, these are some crazy losses. The Giant game, crazy loss. Denver beat them in London, that which a game that never should have happened. I mean, watching these games, it's like, how does this happen? I mean, they played Kansas City tough, and they just went on this run. They always had the talent. They had the ability, but it started clicking. Trevor stopped making those rookie mistakes. Instead of throwing picks and fumbling the ball, he learned how to take care of it. And, you saw, I mean, you just saw they lost to, Tech, they lost to Houston that so first game. And you come back and you see the, the game that they just played against Houston. They didn't play good, and, and they just – Absolutely dominated them 31 to 3. And they didn't even play a good game. That just shows the difference in where this team has came from the beginning of the season. So that's that's been impressive. And Doug Peterson, he's a coach that can coach down the stretch. You know, he's Absolutely. won before. Yeah, I mean, that kind of leads me to the question I had for. I mean, I'll be honest, the last two years that I've seen yeah. Trevor Lawrence <laughs> play, uh you I, I your signing bonus. <laughs> What'd you say? Was that part of your signing bonus? Yeah, right. <laughs> the Jags are giving away. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like I was saying, like the first couple of years he was in the league, I kind of already started to, to imagine that he was going to be trending in the direction of a bust. And to see him do just really a 180, um, I would say really you start to see it after the first five games, six games, you really start to see him hone in and really become that number one quarterback that they draft them to be what do you think the biggest attribute has been or 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 the biggest uh you know part of his game that has been able to elevate him from that middle ring like just doing enough to now one of the upper echelon quarterbacks in the league honestly as cliche as it sounds it's just consistency because he would make a play here make a play there and you're like okay like this guy has he has it but the next thing you know He's rolling out. He's throwing a pick into three defenders. It's like, what? What are you doing? And he's just made better decisions. It's come down to decision making, and he's always had the, til- the the raw skills to to make the throws, the accuracy, the deep ball. But his decision making, he's not making those dumb rookie decisions anymore. And he's giving his playmakers chances to catch the ball. Now you see him. He's not zoning in on one guy. He's getting the ball to Evan Ingram. Getting the ball to Christian Kirk. Zay Jones had some big games. Marvin Jones led the, led the team receiving last week. Travis Etienne's catching the ball a lot. So he's just spreading it around, and there's not one guy that you can really take away on this team. And the craziest, the most exciting part is next year, you got Calvin Ridley coming, too, to put to put onto this team. And you're not losing anybody. Actually, Evan Ingram will be a free agent. Hopefully they can resign him. But, I mean, that, that's not a huge loss, especially when you're, you're bringing on Calvin Ridley, one of the top receivers in the league. This guy in 2020 had almost 1,400 receiving yards. So and everybody forgets about that, too. Yeah. 
So then going back to what I said, though, like what are those conversations like in a locker room when you're on a team that's struggling? What does a coach or a leader in a locker room have to say or do to make a team believe in itself? Because clearly the Jags were in a tough spot. And then all of a sudden it just seemed like they clicked and now, you know, they look like they're a team nobody wants to play. So what are those conversations like from a locker room perspective, a head coach perspective? Like how do you guys not just completely give up when you're, when you lose five straight and you're, you know, three and seven or three and eight? That's tough because I've been, like you said, I played with the Jaguars for four years. I know I've been on some losing teams here and as much as you want to stay invested in the season, when you've lost five straight, the coach is like, hey, we're still in this thing. We're only four games. Like, in your head, you're like, okay, like, I'm going to go out there and I'm obviously going to play. But you're kind of playing for your teammates and you're playing because you have to make a living. You know, if you mess up, it doesn't let matter. It's like people, like, wondering why these teams, like, win games when they're playing for nothing. It doesn't change. It, it really for the players, it doesn't change. You're always playing your hardest. You know you have to play for that next contract. You have to play to make the team. You have to play every snap matters. So you gotta play to your best of your ability. So as far as like tanking's concerned, I think that's more of a front office thing because you put the players on the field, they're gonna play their best. Yeah. But to answer your question, as far as just keeping that team together and to get them to a point to where they're on a five-game skid, look like they have no chance to, to end this. Now it's a win-in-your-end situation. Doug Peterson, man, he's been in those situations before. He's a guy that's won the Super Bowl. He's a guy that's played in this league for 10 years. He was an offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback coach. He's climbed the ladder. He knows how it goes. Like He just knows he's seen it. He's probably started telling, like, hey, I was on this team. This team went – you know, we, we started off with five losses and we came back. So he's got this experience and he just has demeanor about him that's confident. And you know that he's he's being real. So that's something I think is just Doug Peterson has that it factor about him that he can do things like that. No, I absolutely agree. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I live right outside of Philly and Doug Peterson just about a legend around these parts. And till this day, you know, it's hard to find uh, someone in Philly where they won't talk bad about you, but they won't talk bad about them. You know, there might be a few people, but, you know, I, I figured that was going to be your answer when it came down to it was having, um, you know, a coach who, um, you know, can make their team believe when it seems like nobody else is believing. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, little side note before we ask for your predictions. Uh, as far as the DeMar Hamlin situation, like how, how do you – how do you feel the NFL handled all that as far as like the way the game ended and, and how they're talking about probably not playing the game? I mean, as an NFL veteran, I'm sure you understand that like this is a unprecedented situation that we've re- never really experienced as a as a fan base, as a former player or really as a organization in general from the NFL. How do you think they've been handling things with that? Honestly, I think they did a good job. I think maybe it took a little long to cancel the game, but Hey, they got it done. They canceled it. There's no way for me. I'm like, dude, there's no first thing out. There's no way these guys are going to play. There's no way they're going to. Your mindset to play an NFL football game, you have to have a specific type of mindset and be so focused and zoned in and what you're going to do. You can't be worrying about when your buddy's literally fighting for his life. I just those are you can't do that. There was no way those guys were going to be able to play. And as a player, I mean, I felt for my heart went out for him. I mean, my I immediately just started thinking about his family because I know how my mom was. 
every time I'd get tackled, like, mom, I'm fine. I've been tackled a hundred times. You know, she's cringing. She took those hits with me. And I just felt for his family knowing how the loved ones feel watching that. And it was just, it was, it was tough, but I think the NFL did a good job of canceling the game showing that, Hey, yes, we care. This is our product. This is our livelihood. This is our job. But more importantly, life and death comes before this. I mean, this is just a game at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, player safety is here. The livelihood and the rest, we'll figure it out. Okay. This is what matters the most. We're going to show that we care about our players and we put them first. And then after that, it's the league and whatever happens, how we're going to figure out this playoff situation, how we're going to figure out the seeding situation, because that's going to throw some wrenches into things. I mean, I don't know how it's going to happen. One team didn't play a game. I mean, I I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. You just canceled the game. You didn't make it up. But it shows me that the league does care about the player. You know, I got some thinking, hey, give us longer health care if you really care. I'm on my fifth year out. I got this my last year of health care. And then, you know, obviously you got to get your own health care. Even for the retired guys, you're on pension, you save your money, whatever. You still got to go buy your own health care after five years. Any other professional sport, you're vested guy. You make the five years, you're you're getting your health care for life. So that's something, you know, but crazy. I think this is them showing they do care about the players and they're and they're putting that out there. So I think that's a good thing for the league. Yeah, because I saw a clip recently. I don't know where it was from, but there was a gentleman who was on the show that was really beside himself because I guess he had known some of the information as far as what goes on with the players and their contracts and whatnot. And he was saying, realistically, this guy could be screwed because he's only been in the league a couple of years. Yeah. And like he might be screwed out of whatever kind of help he might need medically moving forward. And, you know, his pension is, is I think they said uh, NFL disability is incredibly low now. Uh, do you think they need to make some some changes with, with those situations with, with a situation like this at hand? Absolutely. So there's a couple forms of disability and um, line of duty disability. They got the TNP, the total impairment permanent they got the neurocognitive which is what he would get but the neurocog isn't isn't you can't live off of that at all the line of duty is a nice little whatever it's just like you're percent disabled and the tnp is a total and permanent disability you literally can't work but overall it's going to be hard for him because now he's got this injury even if he comes back and they clear him he's healthy a lot of people aren't going to want to take a chance on him for me terrible thing to do I mean, I would document all my injuries. I get hurt. I, you know, I'm a guy that documented. That's why I'm, I am a guy that does collect disability. And I do collect that from the league. But I would never tell when I got a concussion because I knew how every team looks at that. You look at a guy, you're deciding between two guys. Oh, this guy's had four concussions or this guy has two concussions. This guy has none. I'm going to go with this guy. Because they look at it. So especially when the concussion lawsuit started coming out, the tort all shots, and everything coming out with that, concussions were so frowned upon. So it's tough. Now you got a guy that's been in injuries. It's going to be hard for him to get another job. He's not vested. And the fact that if he doesn't get the total and permanent disability, the neurocognitive disability isn't much at all. And they just started the neurocog, which is something. But a lot of these guys are in bad shape and they need more. And this industry, I'm in business school. I'm getting my master's from Kelly School of Business at IU. I just did a, a study of the NFL, and they are making more money than any other professional sports league. They are bringing in – they just sold the rights to the NFL Sunday ticket to YouTube TV yeah. for $4 billion. 
uh, Amazon, they spent over a billion dollars to get Thursday night football. These are billions with a B. We're talking a thousand million here. Like this so much money that these teams and owners make, they could do so much more for their players. But obviously at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to dollars. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Well, Clay, uh, before we let you go, we want to hear what your, your predictions are, score predictions for this game against uh, your former team, the Jacksonville Jaguars and our Tennessee Titans. What do you think? All right, here we go. I got the Jags with 27 points, and I got the Titans with 20 points. I got the Jags pulling out the win and going to the, you know, to the divisional round. And I think, I think the Jags can actually win a game or two in the playoffs. You got Trevor Lawrence got a hot team. I guarantee you the guys that are watching this game, the other teams, they want to see they want to see the Titans win. <laughs> well, first of all, I, I genuinely appreciate the little New Jersey accent. Yeah, New Jersey accent. Uh, that was <laughs> yeah. definitely a language that I'm used to hearing. So uh, that's number one. But, yeah, appreciate you coming on. Definitely uh, don't be a stranger. I'm sure we'll, we'll try to get you back on sometime next season. Um, I know you're doing some stuff for Chicago right now. Where can we find your work at the moment? Um, I'm hosting a podcast, two podcasts. I got a Jaguars podcast called Believe in Jaguars with the Believe Podcast Network. And I got a Chicago Bear podcast called the Bear Minimum Podcast. And um, both of those. And then on Twitter, I'm talking all things football, Clay Harbs 82, Bears, Jags, and Eagles. And uh, we're going to be talking about our big win after Saturday night, baby. I'm going to go out and celebrate in style, a couple of beers. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, uh, really, we appreciate coming out. We know you're busy at this time of year, so uh, feel free to, to hit us up. Anything you need, and we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Clay. Appreciate Thanks. it. Bye. Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end, coming in, giving some insight on this this matchup coming up with the Titans, giving us his best uh, Paulie Walnuts accent, which was excellent. Um, I think that was actually more of a, a Paul Sorvino accent, but either either way. He did did a good job. Um, But uh, all right, now we can dive into this briefly, briefly. Um, This game we just got out of, Thursday night game, uh, Titans fall to the Cowboys. I'll tell you what, I I can't remember a loss I felt better after than this one. And I'll 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 dive into that more. But I, I, I felt as good as I could ever feel after a loss after that Thursday night game. But as I always do, I'll kick it over to the two of you. Instant reactions after that, uh, unfortunate um defeat by the cowboys vin um like you said you know what a pleasantly surprised um you weren't expecting much out of uh josh dobbs but it was um encouraging to see him you know put together some drives um you know after what we have been through the last few weeks you thought it couldn't get any worse um so not to say there's a moral victory, but this might have been a bit of a moral victory where we felt like we picked up a guy off the street and, you know, he played decent. And now, um, you know, we're, we're going to be well-rested for this week. Um, we know it's at stake. We have veteran leadership on this team. And even though we didn't win that game, excuse me, that game made us believe that we could win this game, in my opinion, if that makes sense. Um, so... Listen, I don't think any of us expected us to beat the Cowboys, but I thought it was going to be similar to the Bills game where we just got thrashed. So to only lose by, you know, 13 points, um, all things considered, like I said, no such thing as moral victories. But if there was one, it was the fact that we looked competent. 
look like we can put someone out there, a quarterback, not named Malik Willis, who can, um, you know, put together a drive or two. So if I'm going to take anything out of it, I think we have a shot to win this game um, more than I did before the Cowboys game because, like I said, we looked like um, a little more competent than we had the last few weeks. So, Jarrett, how do we feel? Listen, a little surprising, like you said, um, I did – feel like the defense, there's three things I, I, I have in mind for this game. The defense, the offensive line, and Josh Dobbs I want to hit on because all three of those surprised the hell out of me with the J, JV defense that we rolled out on Thursday night. I mean, who the hell were they? They left 10 points in the first quarter, and we had we generated three turnovers, two of those by picks by your boy KP, who, who uh, had all worlds last yeah. week after the, after the podcast that we had. had an excellent game in our 14-point loss. Excellent. For real, but three three turnovers against a Dallas uh, defense. I mean, offense that was um, you know supposedly coming in as one of the hottest in the NFL. You know that was pretty solid by them. And the offensive line with their front, I, I, I'm very surprised by holding um, Michael Parsons to I think one sack. They played very well and uh, they kept clean pockets for Josh Dobbs, who I think I, I even tweeted it looks worlds better than uh, Malik Willis. He was uh, way better in the pocket. His football IQ. Um, throwing the ball, getting the ball out quick, like we've been saying the past couple of weeks on the podcast, how Todd Downing needs to generate that and get uh, more guys involved. Hopefully they do that with Chig and um, Burks in his do-or-die game, whether um, whether they you know throw the ball downfield or not, because everything right now, it's all hands on deck with them. So, um, But Dobbs, man, I, th- I thought he looked good and promising in the first half. He threw for two, over 200 yards. Malik, we didn't see that, you know, the confidence. So I – I'm rolling with the journeyman uh, six-year quarterback who's been in a room with a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback leading us, you know, to this, to this, um, Hall of Fame division. yeah, Hall of Fame quarterback, but leading us into this uh, play-in game and for the division and the rights to host a playoff game in Nashville. So I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. I'm a believer. Listen, I'm a believer. I think I underestimated uh, what just spending time in an organization and going through reps and practice for as many years as he did can do for someone. I did. Uh, I still don't think it's fair to Malik Willis. What they, I mean, I don't want to get into it. I just, I think for his psyche, like if you're going to put him in from the jump as the backup, you got to stick with it. Now, again, I don't yeah, want to. Are we, see, are we seeing what this guy has, or are we trying to win a division? I, I get it. I get. It. I mean, you know? listen, I understand that. I'm happy they switch to Dobbs. He's going to give us the best chance to win. I just hope Malik and uh, Malik's, you know, psyche doesn't get tainted over this situation. I don't think it will because he's got a good head on his shoulders. So, anyway, uh, I'm a believer. Uh, you know, Burks has to play. A little irked. His injury's a little tweaked. Whatever the hell is fucking. He's got to play. And everyone's saying he's going to play. So that's good. Um, but uh, we're going to jump right into our picks. Um, so let's start off with. I'm uh, Sammy. Who are we starting off with? Who are we showing first? I think we're going to show. Maybe Vin? Let's show Vin. Vin, who do you got this week? I am rolling with the Buffalo Bills in a spot where you're going to find a team who maybe their their head was, um, you know, not in the practice or the film study this week, obviously, because all focus is on DeMar uh, Hamlin, as it should be. We hope for his recovery. Signs have been encouraging. But I think you're going to get a team that comes out Saturday or Sunday inspired. Um, a team that is going to be playing for a bigger purpose, a stadium that's going to be rocking. It's going to be an emotional game. Don't be surprised if they come out a little flat at first, but I think as the game goes on, um, obviously they'll be getting New England's best shot, but 
Buffalo is, is head and shoulders, the better team. I don't think they want to let a division rival into the playoffs. Um, and because we don't know what the NFL is doing with um, the seating and the game and whatnot, um, how it's going to work, Buffalo still has something to play for. So I think Buffalo handles business, might come out a little slow, but this is a team that's inspired and playing with a bigger purpose right now. So, again, I reiterate, Perster DeMar Hamlin and his family, um, you know, I had a, a family member get ill last year who spent 35 days in the ICU. So I it was very emotional for me because you felt like I, I connected with what his family was dealing with. The unknown of a situation is – it's, it's scary, and it's not something I would wish on anybody. Um, you know, fortunately, my father came out of it, and, you know, he's a 69-year-old man. DeMar Hamlin is a 24-year-old professional athlete. So, you know, prayers up to him. He will come out of this. He will be okay. Um, but I am taking the Buffalo Bills, and I will lay the points. I think they win by double digits. So, All right, Jack. I'm going to go with a team that got waxed last week in Lambeau Field, and that's the Minnesota Vikings um, laying the seven and a half points against the Chicago Bears, um, Clay's team, and also Adam Rank's team. So uh, I'm going with them after they need a huge win and motivation to get into the playoffs. Not into the playoffs, but a spark for the playoffs. So I'm going with the Vikings. Absolutely. And for me, my lock of the week is your Tennessee Titans plus six and a half. Listen, folks, I think realistically speaking, I've seen enough from Joshua Dobbs to confidently say this game is going to be a coin flip. Nobody's going to dominate this game. No one's going to blow the other team out. It's going to be a coin flip. And when the game's a coin flip, that means somebody's got to win by a short amount of points. I mean, really, this is there is no stone that should be unturned as far as getting the job done between these two teams. So it should come down to the wire no matter what. I don't see any scenario where the Titans lose by a touchdown or more. So I'm taking Tennessee plus six and a half. And uh, outside of the unfortunate ending of last week's game, we would have win. We would have been possibly three and zero. So keep that in mind. Those are our picks for the week, folks. We've had a long, long season, and it's all going to come down to this. It's going to come down to whether or not we're going to be doing a playoff preview show, or if we're going to be doing our season wrap up show. It's a week 18, winning in game. We got a volunteer at the helm, and uh, it could be really exciting. It could be really unfortunate, but realistically, it's a win-win because we lose, we get a top 10 pick. We win, we're in. We got a home playoff game. It's a beautiful thing. So um, anything you fellas want to add before we wrap up tonight and prepare for this playoff game on Saturday? Not much, man, other than uh, tell your family members you love them because as we learned Monday night, life is fragile. So other than that, you know, life's life's much bigger than football. Um, you know, tell the ones you love that you love them because you never know when something crazy can happen. Absolutely. 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 And praise up to, uh, praise up to uh, DeMar and his family too. I know uh, there was telling signs, you know, positive signs today that um, he was out of it, but it's a long road to recovery. Um he wasn't talking. He was writing with a pen. But um, it's an unfortunate situation. It's going to be a long road of recovery for that um, young man. So still prayers out to him and the Buffalo Bills and everybody involved. Absolutely. Guys, make sure you uh, check us out. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, any of the platforms for uh, podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends about us. We're going to keep growing and growing and growing, and we're happy to do it with the SICK Podcast group. So um, as always, tighten up. 
And I hope the offensive line this week can block better than the Titans tried to block me. Sammy, send me out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast, Talking Titans, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.